Ireland's Class Kids Radio. How are you? It's Trina Mara. It is Science Week and we're joined by marine biologist Keelan Doyle. Hello, Keelan. Welcome. Hello, Trina. How are you? Thanks for having me. I was having a nosy at uh, your Netflix show last night. Look at you Very on good. Netflix. Very good. You know the, <laughs> you know the whole story, what, what, warts and all. Says you, huh? <laughs> well, tell me this much about your, your obsession. We're going to call it obsession, right? Your obsession with seahorses. Why do you find them so fascinating? And tell me about the show that you made. Um, oh, seahorses, I suppose. I mean, I find, since a kid, since I was a child, I was absolutely infatuated with seahorses. I mean, they're just so different. They're like no other creature. And and I think it's that unusualness that, you know, can be utilised because a lot of our work is trying to educate young people. And when you go out to schools and they're fascinated with seahorses, you can use that appeal to then get the kids hooked, excuse the pun, and then once you've got them on board, that's when we can bring in all the conservation and the environmental actions. So it's it's a really useful species, apart from the fact it's just a, a seriously sexy animal, if I can say so myself. <laughs> a sexy seahorse. <laughs> sexy seahorse, yeah. I've been, I've, been call, I've, been, I've been called that the odd time now, you know. So you're a marine biologist, so you've obviously dedicated your life now to this and to the conservation of seahorses. Now, I didn't realise that they, they could actually be on their way out. Exactly. And the documentary that, that you mentioned, part of that is that we travelled around Asia to look at the seahorse problem, I suppose. And I suppose some of the alarming research that we found was that based on what we've seen, seahorses will become extinct in the next 20 to to 30 years. Now, bearing in mind, this is a creature that has been with us since the time of of dinosaurs. So literally on our watch, seahorses are currently going to become the dinosaurs of our generation unless we do something about it. Why are they becoming extinct? What's happening? They're used, unfortunately, in traditional Chinese medicine. They're used as natural aphrodisiacs. And there's no scientific reason behind that. The reason they use them is because seahorses stay together for life. If one dies, the other one will, will actually die of a broken heart oh. about two to three weeks later. So they're not jumping um, on Tinder anytime soon? Or, y- no. Or actually, do you know what? It's like they need to go on plenty of fish. That'll be more apt no, for a seahorse. Like hey. like plenty of hay. <laughs> to get hooked. Oh, stop. Um, We're going to be pulled off the air now because it's so you, cheesy, this. <laughs> Talking about... Uh, uh, Fishy tinder and, and natural aphrodisiacs. <laughs> but, um, but so they yeah, mate so for life, okay. They mate for life. So the really cool things about seahorse is, first of all, it's the only animal in the world that the daddy and not the mammy has the babies. Um, the male does a, a courtship dance around the female every morning of their lives. So they're, they're morning people. And uh, he does a, a sexy seahorse dance every morning. And... They stayed together for life, as I said. And this, I suppose, while it's a lovely, cute, romantic fact, unfortunately, it's led to their downfall because Asian people, and not just Asians, believe that because they stay together for life, they must be physically or sexually happy together. And as a result, they consume them in massive quantities at a price more expensive than gold um, for aphrodisiac reasons. Sorry, um, can, I, can I just go back a little bit there? This is the maddest thing that I learned pretty early on on your Netflix show, right? About the fact that the, the daddies 
have the babies. Now, are we sure that we just haven't misgendered them and the, the mammy is, the, is actually the female? How did this even come about? How did someone realise this? Well, it's, it's, it's in the modern world with all these names and terms, you, you do have to be careful. Um, but in, in basic biological terms, daddy produces sperm and mammy produces eggs. And it, it's a good question. But in this case, you know, the female produces the eggs and she transfers the eggs into the male's pouch. So he has a pouch like a kangaroo. Right, yeah. And he then sort of falls to the bottom of the ocean and he kind of does a little shimmy dance which embeds the eggs into the placenta wall of the of the pouch. He then releases his sperm. They they become fertilized and he carries them so on average you know sort of 3 to 4 weeks. And then he goes through labour and labour can last up to 12 hours where he goes through the full pains and pangs of of childbirth and labour. And it'll take him, as I said, that time and he will release up to four and a half to five thousand baby seahorses. Oh, my good God. So, so Trina, when us when us men do it, which isn't very often, we do it right. um, (laughs) And and not only does he produce up to five thousand babies, but as soon as he's finished giving birth, the female will actually impregnate him again. The poor lad, he never gets a break. Ah, gee, Irish twins, Irish twins, isn't that it? Yeah. She's an, awful, she's an awful woman, so she is. Yeah. So if they're having so many seahorse babies, how, like if they're 5,000 or whatever, how are they becoming extinct? Because they're, they're still being used that quickly. Again, really, really good question. The reason is that less than one in a thousand, would you believe, survive. So literally, the majority of them get washed away. The majority of them get eaten. And that's where a lot of our work has come on board. Because what we've, what we've done is we've been the first people in the world to learn how to cultivate the seahorse. And when we cultivate them in captivity, we can get up to, up to 90% survival because you don't have predators, you don't have oceans to wash them away. So the success rate is massively increased. So you went off and you rented a little freezing cold cottage and you, you, had, a, you had your own little setup, didn't you, when you, when you started all this? I did, down in, in Connemara. So yeah. I came back from, from abroad and we had, a, I suppose, when I say it was basic, I mean, to give you an example, I mean, there was no, the, the electricity was so basic in the cottage and I had fish tanks with seahorses and it was so damp and moist that if you wanted to turn on the kettle for a cup of tea, you had to plug out all the fish tanks, right? And if you wanted to turn a light on in the room, I had to, I had to use a stick to turn the light switch on because the electrics were so damaged and moist that you'd get a dart off the electrics. So literally, yeah. that's that was my lab, that was my research facility, and that was my home. That'd be luxury living in Dublin, the standards yeah. now, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, it really would. <laughs> well, well, I was happy out, you know. Yeah. So, uh, but you moved the, on from that pretty quickly because you needed a better facility, didn't you? We moved on to, to the university facility, and I suppose that's when we really started to kind of crack a lot of the bottlenecks, which was around the juvenile sort of survival and feeding of the juveniles. So there was a huge team of us and PhD students and master students. And it was great. I mean, we had massive successes. And as I said, it was the first time that anybody had managed to sort of breed the seahorse. And and I suppose it's gone on from, from strength to strength. And now we want to utilise that technology Mm. Um, to try and help save the seahorse. Were some people saying to you at the time, how are you going to do this? This is not kind of possible to just try and breed them yourself. Oh, listen, I mean, everybody, including my, my parents, were telling me that, 
surely you can go and get a, a normal job. But seahorses are, are very endearing. They're very fascinating. And, you know, you think back to maybe things over the generations where it was a, a race to try and succeed. There were people all around the world. The Chinese had invested over $100 million in trying to breed the seahorse. And, you know, it, it was, as you said, it was my passion. I mean, one of the things I get slagged about in the documentary was there was a friend of mine who came on board and, uh, you know, we made a pact that we would have no no girlfriends, no partners for, for five years because we wanted to just dedicate ourselves and have no distractions, shall we say. So we just literally put everything we had to try to crack the, the seahorse conundrum. Yeah. And tell us this much, what is the solution then? Because you do seem to be focused on solutions, right? We know what the problem is, but what is the solution? I suppose the solution is really to, to approach it from different different areas. So the first thing is the, the demand. And obviously, you know, with China, I think what we've learned is that if you can work with them, you can actually get good results, where if you criticise them, well, well, then you won't. And, you know, what we try to say is, listen, guys, this is something you've been doing for thousands of years. You know, we can help you. And one of the things we're doing is teaching fishermen how to grow seahorses. So these are fishermen whose livelihood is dependent on seahorse fishing. So if we can get them to grow or to farm a cultivated seahorse rather than taking it from the wild, that means that the Chinese still get their seahorses, mm-hmm. the fishing families still get their income, but the seahorses in the wild remain because they don't have to, to catch them from the wild. So this is, it's conservation through cultivation, essentially, because, yeah. you know, it's not just about keeping the seahorse right. You have to think of the other stakeholders, the fishermen and the Chinese. Now, would you find seahorses all over the world? Seahorses are found in, in, in literally every ocean, um, every sea, including the Irish Sea. And less than a month ago, we had a reported um, sighting there was a seahorse washed up on the beach in Bray because we have two species of seahorses which are found around Ireland. So if we were to lose them, right, if they were to become extinct, what would be the knock-on effect uh, for the environment, uh, Keelan? Well, the knock-on effect is seahorses are considered uh, a keystone species. So as we know, in, 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 in the environment, everything is connected. So if you take one species out, it's like dominoes. It has a knock-on effect. So there are certain animals that feed on seahorses, like tuna, dorado, um, mackerel, different species like that. And then the seahorse, in turn, feeds on other species. So when you take that out, you haven't just lost the seahorse. You've lost the food for other species, but also the seahorses maintain different species themselves different little shrimp, different crabs. So, you know, nature has evolved this perfect ecosystem. And that's the big problem. If we take something out, it has a, a huge knock-on effect. But apart from that, you take out a species that we can use. I mean, in Ireland, we don't have lots of, of charismatic species. You know, in China, for example, it's the panda. That's their symbol for conservation. So we have, we have seahorses in Ireland. They're a beautiful species. It's a great story and it's a great story to get kids and people involved. In. And if we can save the seahorse, you will save a huge amount of other species. So it's, it's, it's very important to keep these guys alive. It's awful to think there's no law that will protect them. Do you know that kind of way? Yeah, you know, it's mad in, in today's world and there isn't. And I mean, even in terms of China and China's use in Chinese medicine, um, you know, there's no sort of law. And even at that, a lot of it goes 
illegal. I mean, when I went to China um, as part of the documentary, I went undercover and I went to sort of the, one of the most famous Chinese medicine doctors and I, I kind of had a hidden camera and I told him that I was having a few a few male issues, shall we say, um, just to see what he recommended. And sure enough, he recommended um, seahorses as being the best to sort out my, my, my problems. Right. Um, you know, in China, they have a famous saying, it's ginseng to the north, which is from the waist up, um, seahorse to the south. So ginseng for mind and body, seahorses for the, for the aphrodisiac qualities. Right. The big problem in China as well is that they're fishing the pregnant males, aren't they? I know it sounds mad for me to be saying the pregnant males. If you heard the earlier part of the interview, you'd know what we're talking about because it's male seahorses that actually have the babies. Exactly. And it's one of the things we, we've shown that the vast majority of males that I've seen in these markets for sale, you know, were pregnant. So you can imagine, as I said, they can have up to 5,000 baby seahorses. So when you kill that one male you're also killing, you know, 5,000 others. So what we're doing is we're trying to get them to, to put the... It's, it's exactly like the lobsters in Ireland. When you catch lobsters in Ireland, you can't catch the pregnant females. You have to put them back in and you catch them the next time. So what we've, what we've sort of implemented, and we've done this in Indonesia and Cambodia, we say, right, guys, you're pregnant male, you can still have them, but at least put them in a cage and the seahorse will then birth. So the 5,000 baby seahorses will be released and then they get to catch their male. So it's a really good, simple way that the fisherman doesn't lose his catch, but we get to have 5,000 babies for each male seahorse back into the ocean. Finally, Keelan, tell me about your own business there. You're actually selling seahorse aquariums. Yeah, so the Sabre Seahorses and all that is, the, is the, the conservation work, which I do a huge amount. But of course, I have to pay the, pay the bills. And um, we have a shop beside the Red Cow in Ballymount where we breed seahorses, we sell seahorses, but we also sell everything from goldfish to jellyfish to you know, all the standard tropical fish. We manufacture aquariums, we install them and maintain them. If you see any fish tanks in all the hospitals and hotels, they're tanks that we have, have generally done. So if anybody yeah. is passing the red cow, we have a big showroom and I love to see kids in particular just come in and just have a look because the array of species that are there, kids get to touch and feel. So please feel free to come on in and say hello and we'll show you around. How much are you talking for a seahorse? A seahorse is about from about sort of 70 euros up to sort of 150 euros. Yeah. Um, beautiful, beautiful creatures. I have a couple beside me in a little tank in the office and do you know what they just are the most relaxing majestic creatures looking at them it's like a it feels like a like a meditation because they just they just calm you down and we all mm. we all need a little bit of that these days I can tell you and do you know the way you were saying they they made for life so would you you take one are you separating one from from someone then or is it no so you, that, gen- no? you generally take them as a, as a, as a pair or else yeah. you take one that hasn't paired up yet so we we do like a bit of a matchmaking you know like a bit mm. of a list of going on here where we'll put them all in together and we we see who matches up and we take them out as pairs and the one that don't pair up well then we try them with other ones but it's amazing you'll always get a couple at the end who you know just it's not their thing for some reason and they just don't pair up and they like to be on their own so um you know 
you can't force them to fall in love. No. What happens though if you come down one morning to the kitchen and the aquarium and there's 5,000 little baby seahorses? Well, if ever, if ever that happens for people, what they do is they bring them back to our, to our hatchery and then we will, we will kind of grow them on then at that point. Right. So, you know, people know that they're all being, you know, utilised. But we have, we also have a research facility and there's a lot of really, really good scientific work going on. So, lots happening. Because I always remember a pal of mine thinking that she got two bunnies, two male bunnies, and then she, <laughs> she got up one morning and there was, there was the a new family. The garden was full, yeah. <laughs> You have to think of these things, don't you? Well, that website is seahorseaquariums.com and uh, oh, it's been brilliant catching up. So the, the show on Netflix, give everyone the name of it so that we can have a look. Yeah, Seahorse Man, two separate words and um, if uh, if you can, and the website saveourseahorses.com, the conservation one, so please get on and show your support and help us to save our seahorses. Brilliant. Well, it's been great to chat this Science Week. We'll let you get back to it there. Uh, marine biologist Keelan Doyle, thanks so much. Cheers, Trina. Fair Cheers. play. Thank you very much. It's Bye. Ireland's Bye-bye. Classic Radio.